folks. Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Thursday night as I am recording this uh, at a very interesting point in Denver's schedule where uh, they just do not have enough bodies. And it was very clear uh, based off of today where we're supposed to have a game. We're supposed to have a basketball game, the follow-up of Nuggets Warriors, this time at Denver, this time in Ball Arena. Uh, But between uh, Tuesday, when that game happened in Golden State uh, at Chase Center, and now where Denver, uh, they woke up this morning, they did their normal COVID testing, they did everything that they could, and it turns out that there's a COVID outbreak. Uh, Michael Malone, multiple multiple coaching assistants, Jeff Green, Bones Highland, Zeke Naji, all in health and safety protocols following a COVID-19 outbreak that is really ravaging uh, Denver's locker room at this point, or at least the members of Denver's locker room that are even available to be ravaged. Because the majority of Denver's out, uh, their absences are not health and safety related. They are injury related because while it's only three players that are in health and safety protocols, there were eight that were on the injury report for non for non COVID reasons. You have Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, PJ Dozier, Marcus Howard. They're the long term absences uh, due to injury. But you also have Austin Rivers, who is a new entry into the injury report after Tuesday's game, as well as Aaron Gordon, Monte Morris, Vlaco Chanchar, none of whom played in Tuesday's game. So. This could have been an issue before uh, Denver was able to get through it with their roster intact on Tuesday night. But as it turns out, uh, COVID has really ravaged every single team. And this is the first time that it has really affected Denver massively. Uh, they did not have enough players to play today's game. Uh, most teams, when they're in this position, they call up their G League affiliate. They call up any team that's or any players that are available in the area. And they try to get them in the building as quickly as possible. And sometimes it's a quick flight over. Sometimes it's whatever. I'm not privy to the conversations with the players that they had that they that they decided to talk with. But it sounds like they weren't able to get them to Denver in time in order to fill out a full eight-man roster. Because they could have gotten to seven. They needed one more player. They could have gotten to seven because they had six uh, before... Or give, given all of the outbreak, they had Jokic, they had Barton, they had Faku Campazo, they had Jamichael Green, they had Bull Bull coming off of his own health and safety protocols, and they had Peter Cornelly, who has not played regular season rotation minutes this year, uh, nor has Bull Bull, by the way. Actually, no, he did play some. He did play, but it was injury related. So they only really found out about these absences this morning. They were expecting to have Jeff Green, Zeke Naji. Bones Highland, all those guys, including Michael Malone, not to not to kind of minimize his absence here. But they found out too late. They didn't have enough time to get players from their G League affiliate, which is in Grand Rapids, Michigan, to Denver. And so they've they've had to scour the the market and find other players that they can possibly get. Uh, they did bring back Davon Reed, that was announced this evening. They also brought in Rajon Tucker, who is for the Wisconsin herd. I will inform about that kind of in the second segment on where Denver is right now. 
Uh, but right now, this is one of those times, I think, where having the G League affiliate in Grand Rapids, Michigan, as opposed to Denver, Colorado, or Colorado Springs, or not Pueblo, but like Fort Collins, or an adjacent city, uh, that would have been really helpful. By the way, uh, my heart, I'm, I'm heartbroken by all of the videos and stories of the fire that is going on ravaging uh, kind of northwest Denver metro area right now. Over 500 homes, absolutely going to be more than that by the time I'm recording this. It's just awful, just really, really terrible what is going on there. So if you're in that area, please let me know. Let us know what we can do to help out as a kind of a Nuggets community because it sucks. It is just a, a very, very terrible thing. Uh, sorry to get sidetracked here. But Denver not having a, a G League team in town, I think, really affected them here because they had to work through the logistics of get, getting players into town on time before the game. And there's a certain deadline that they have to get them here so that they can put them through all of the procedures that they need to when they're here. I think they have to get them by like 4.30 or so for a 7.30 game. They weren't able to do that because they found out today. And so that's why this game was postponed because I know there are other teams that are dealing with COVID outbreaks right now. There are some teams that are being forced into playing some really absurd lineups. I had a conversation on Twitter today with an Atlanta Hawks fan slash writer, and they they have only three healthy rotation players. They've had to pick up so many players due to hardship exception. That's their, their roster is just completely foreign at this point. Uh, and they're losing games because of it, the guaranteed losses. So Denver getting a postponement is good in the sense that they can make up this game at a different point when they are healthier. And uh, Draymond Green was quick to comment about that on Twitter today. And like, it's, it's definitely like, I, I understand the skepticism there. The, uh, the kind of not uh, the negativity that that kind of surrounds that because if he feels like the Warriors were screwed over because the Nuggets didn't have enough available players. And to some degree, he's got a point, but it's not like they didn't have all these players because of health and safety protocols. <laughs> like eight of them were on the injury report. Only three of them were on health and safety. So it's just I, I don't I don't agree with any of his stance on this that Denver is really benefiting here because on top of them having to postpone this game, they're gonna have to reschedule it at some point. And I just I don't know when the game is going to be rescheduled, but I have some ideas uh, based off of looking at the schedule today, based off of looking at things uh, online uh, between the two teams. and I came up with four ideas for dates that make the most sense. The first two, January 8th and February 5th, are both on games where Golden State and Denver would be available to play, but Denver would then be in the middle of a three games and three straight days stint, uh, while Golden State would be disadvantaged, but not quite as much as Denver. Uh, February 15th also comes to mind as a day where uh, it's it's actually funny that that's a game where Denver and Golden State would have an identical schedule going into the All Star break, 
and they would face each other on back-to-back days, February 15th in Denver and February 16th in Golden State. Uh, So neither team is really disadvantaged there uh, because they are facing identical schedules against each other right before the All-Star break. So that's another possibility. But all three of those days, apparently, according to Harrison Wind, uh, who looked this up for Ball Arena, all three of those days are booked. Uh, Ball Arena doesn't have availability on those three days, which leads me to March 7th. That seems like the day that most makes sense for both of these teams. Here's why. Uh, The Nuggets schedule leading up to that March 4th, they have a game at home. March 5th, they are off. March 6th, they have a game at home. March 7th would be the day that they fill in. Uh, March 8th, they have off, and then they go on the road to Sacramento and then come back and play Golden State again on March 10th. The Warriors, on the other hand, have an even easier schedule there. They have a, a March 4th off day. I'm pretty sure they're on the road. Uh, but then March 5th, they have a road game in Golden or in uh, the with the Lakers in Los Angeles. Then they have another off day. They would travel to Denver for a March 7th road game. They would come back to Golden State and play the second night of a back-to-back at home against the Clippers before having another off day after that. So that's really kind of a very normal, standard road trip for them. And for Denver, it makes sense to put them in a situation where even though they have three games in four nights, they would still be all home games. So I think March 7th is the day that I would circle if you're looking for where or when Denver is going to play Golden State next uh, based off of this schedule. Actually, they they have they are going to play them on January 8th as well. So it's not quite and, – and February 5th. So they're going to play them – January 8th, February 5th, I think they'll play March 7th again, and then they'll play March 10th. So there's going to be a lot of games against each other in the next two and a half months. Uh, So if Draymond's angry, hopefully he'll be out of health and safety protocols at that point, and then he can take his frustrations out on the Nuggets um, if they're capable. It, It is what it is. So actually, they aren't playing January 8th. That was a hypothetical time. That was my, that was my guess. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm actually, I actually butchered that schedule. Scratch all of that. That is fine. Um, but either way, Denver they had off today. Golden State they had off today. As a result, they get a, a bunch of days off. As a result of this, uh, Denver they get some days off too. And hopefully, in that time, they can get the guys through health and safety protocols. They can re-sign some players or sign some other players to 10-day contracts, already signed Rajon Tucker, pretty sure that they will sign somebody else too. But until then, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about where the Nuggets are currently at in their schedule. We'll be right back. Back, pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you could, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, would love some updated reviews. I haven't had one uh, since October, I'm pretty sure. 
and I those they really do help when they do come in because they give me some better advice on how to run the podcast on, on what my target information should be and what you guys like to hear. So let me know what you think. Uh, send me in some ratings and reviews and I will read through all of them, I promise. Okay. The Nuggets are not out of the woods yet. Despite the fact that they had a postponement, they still have a lot of uh, potential barriers between them playing even their next game uh, because the injuries aren't magically going away. And we know that the health and safety protocols players will be out until at least now through January 3rd. So they're going to miss... Uh, January 1st, New Year's in a couple days against Houston, and then January 3rd against Dallas. They're definitely going to miss that. Uh, I'm talking Jeff Green, Bones Highland, Zeke Naji. They might even miss January 5th if they can't kick the virus before then. Uh, we're just going to have to wait it out and see. Um, but but there's a very strong possibility that they, they continue testing positive uh, up until that day. So they may actually miss several games. On top of Denver's already injured players, where Jamal Murray's going to be out, P.J. Dozier's going to be out, Michael Porter's going to be out, Marcus Howard is going to be out. We know that they are missing these next few games. So on top of those four, and then Jeff Greenbones, Highland, Zeke Naji, that's seven guys out of 17 that are going to be out, guaranteed. And then I think you have to assume that at least one of, if not multiple, of Aaron Gordon, Monte Morris, Austin Rivers, Vlaco Chanchar, that while some of these uh, hardship exception players are going to be up here, they might take some time to sit. They might rest up a little bit. Or maybe they get back. Maybe they're healthy. Maybe this is just a part of the process and they needed an extra day or two, and then they'll be okay. And if you have all four guys back, then you're going to have now 12 players available because you have eight right now with Davon Reed, Rajon Tucker, and the six remaining healthy players, Nikola Jokic, Will Barton, Faku Campazzo, Jermichael Green, Bol Bol, and Peter Cornelly. So you'll have 12 if everybody is available and ready to go. And that means that you're not going to be forced into playing some weird lineups with Bol Bol, with Peter Cornelly, with uh, Rajon Tucker for that matter. Like, I do think that there's there's going to be some instances where all of those guys play, none of those guys play, uh, depending on the health of Aaron Gordon, Monte Morris, Austin Rivers, Vlaco Chanchar. But I'm also assuming that none of Denver's current six players test positive due to COVID. And if they do, then they're going to be out too, and Denver could be magically down a whole bunch of guys. So they need their questionable guys to be healthy and they need extra, we'll call it flexibility from some of the hardship exception guys. And it might involve not just Davon Reed, not just Rayshon Tucker, but maybe another big, maybe another forward. I don't know. I do think that Denver really needs some flexibility here. So I doubt that they're signing players. I think that they'll probably add one more guy. And I'm glad that they have Davon Reed back. He needs to be on a permanent roster spot. Getting Rajon Tucker is a good fit. He's kind of a good approximation of a defensive point guard in the NBA today. So he'll guard point guards, 
I have to imagine that Davon Reed will slide into the starting lineup, which is crazy, by the way. That's insane. But that's kind of where we're at. That's what's going to happen. So I do think that they will have some of these guys back and they'll probably add some more. But hopefully Aaron Gordon, Monte Morris, Austin Rivers, Lago Janchar, hopefully they get back. Hopefully they're all right. And Denver can get through this just like every other team has had to get through. All right. 17 and 16, 49 games left to go. Two of Denver's games already have been uh, postponed due to COVID, so they probably should have played 35 games by now. They haven't. They're, they're still at 33. They're still 17 and 16. But uh, what I said back uh, at the beginning of December, I posted a podcast, and it was, I think, a quarter mark podcast. And in there, I basically talked about where I thought Denver should be record-wise by the halfway mark to feel good, to feel uh, solid about their seating, whatever it is, uh, or to feel a little bit concerned. And at that point, I said that Denver should be concerned if they are 20 and 21. It would be a little bit of a disappointment. Uh, that's if you get to 41 and 41. Um, but yeah, right now they've played 33 games. Let's say in that time, let's say when they get to 41 now, despite the fact that it should be 43, um, they're at, so here are, the, here are the next eight games that they have on their schedule. Uh, Saturday at Houston, Monday at Dallas, Wednesday, January 5th uh, versus Utah at home, January 7th that they play the Kings, January 9th, a couple days later, they go back out on the road and play Oklahoma City. They go to uh, the LA Clippers again uh, on a couple days after that. And then they play the Portland Trailblazers and the Los Angeles Lakers uh, before in game 42, they play the Utah Jazz in a back-to-back at home. So that's kind of the beginning of a big homestand there. At the, kind of at the after the 40-game mark, they go, they play Portland, the Lakers, the Jazz, the Clippers, the Grizzlies, and the Pistons. And that's a really interesting time because that's where you start getting into the territory of, okay, we sort of separated ourselves from the midway point here. What team is going to be a three seed or four seed? And what team is going to be a seven seed or an eight seed? That's going to be a really important time, in my opinion, for teams like Denver, for teams like Dallas, for teams like the Clippers and the Lakers and the Blazers, where everybody's kind of this jumbled mess. And I'm going to talk about that more in the third segment, just like my thoughts on each of these individual teams in the West. But right now, everything's kind of a morass. Uh, that that particular section uh, from the Nuggets at five to the Minnesota Timberwolves at nine is only separated by a total of one and a half games. Because of that, like over these next, I don't know, three weeks or so, you're going to get a lot of separation there, or at least enough, I think, that we're going to start to see these tiers really even out. I think the Clippers and the Lakers are going to go down. The Nuggets have an opportunity to go up. So that's why I wanted to kind of cover this here and where they're at. Because these 
of of the next seven games, five of them are against teams that are sub five hundred, but they are all in the West, all of them. Which means that Denver has an opportunity to make so make up some ground in the standings here. They're at fifth right now, but they could actually put some distance between themselves and the competition. Actually, six of the next eight games are against teams sub five hundred because I'm including the Lakers now. So, if they go four and four in the next eight games, that'll put them at twenty-one and twenty, which pretty good. It's fine. There's nothing nothing wrong with that. It's, it exceeds my expectations uh, for what would be a disappointing outcome. Back when I was talking about it in December, like early December, if they went five and three, then suddenly you're. 21 and 19, or 21, no, I'm doing my math wrong, 22 and 19. If they go 6 and 2, then they're 23 and 18. If they go 7 and 1, they're 24 and 17. And you start to get this separation in the standings a little bit where Denver can relax at that point. They don't necessarily have to play Jokic every single night in order to get a win. They don't necessarily have to play Barton every single night. But you have to take advantage of the stretch. You have to take advantage of not having any back-to-backs. Getting an off day here because of the postponement. And despite the fact that you're down a whole bunch of players, capitalize against a team like Houston. Against a team like Dallas, where Luka hasn't been playing. You got to beat them. You got to do it. The Utah Jazz, probably going to lose that game. But you're probably going to lose the Golden State game. So you never know. You never know how these things go. Against the Kings, probably have to beat them. The Thunder, probably have to beat them. Make up for that last Thunder loss. Clippers, they're going to still be without Paul George. They're already without Kawhi Leonard. You have an opportunity here. You got to take advantage of it. That's going to be the name of the game here. Is that even though the Nuggets are beaten down, battered, bashed, Whatever you want to call it, even though that they have all of these injuries, you got to take advantage of your opportunities when they come. And this is an opportunity for Denver over this next stretch. Uh, before you even think about Jamal Murray coming back, before you even think about the All-Star break, this is a time where you can lock in as a team, get into a good rhythm and say, hey, look, we have figured some stuff out. We know what we're about. And as long as we get good play, from enough players that are healthy, then they can really rattle off some wins, in my opinion. So it's going to take focus. It's going to take a little bit of uh, composure from Jokic especially, because during this time, Rayshon Tucker's probably going to cut in the wrong direction, or he may miss a cut, or he might uh, screw up a coverage on defense or something like that. And Jokic can't just throw a tantrum on the court. Because that sets the tone for the rest of the stretch. And then you're suddenly trying to figure out what you're going to do if you're this Nuggets team. So I hope they take advantage. Despite the fact that they're down players, I do think that they can win these games because they have the best player in the world. That's pretty simple. He's the best floor raiser of any team and will continue to do so. The hope is that he has... Aaron Gordon, Monte Morris, 
Austin Rivers, Vlaco Chanchar, and hopefully some other replacements at some point during this stretch too. We will see. Let's take another break. When we come back, we are going to dig into the tiers a little bit in the West. We'll be right back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much for tuning in. Okay, let's get into West tiers right now, where we can expect Denver to be uh, by this. I'm not even really sure what to what to call this stretch. This is kind of the dog days of the NBA, where you get after Christmas, uh, you're before the All Star break, and people are just trying to survive. You really are, and like it, it is. It's not just a Denver thing. It really is an entire NBA thing where everybody's trying to figure out how to handle themselves. Everybody's trying to figure out what the best way to get through this regular season is. And Denver's way now is it's signing Davon Reed, Rajon Tucker, and I'm sure other players uh, to make sure that they can get through this thing healthy or at least as healthy as they possibly can. Um, but every team's dealing with this. Golden State's dealing with this. They they do plan on getting Clay Thompson back pretty soon, which is pretty cool. Uh, but Phoenix, they've had some absences from Devin Booker, from players like that. Uh, Utah hasn't really had any absences. Like they've had Rudy Gay. He's played twenty games, and they've played like he's played twenty out of thirty four games. But the rest of the freaking roster, like all of the the eight of their top nine rotation players outside of Rudy Gay have played 31 out of 34 games. That is as comfortable and uh, like unperturbed as, as any team in the NBA because every other team has had to deal with something or other. They are the only team that has really not had to deal with it. So I do think that if you're building a tier of team in the West, that the three teams at the top are the three championship contenders. You've got Golden State, Phoenix, and Utah. I'd put Phoenix above all of those teams because I've seen them. I've seen how they handle themselves in playoff situations, and they have a great game plan and great execution every single time. Sometimes that can waver with Golden State. Sometimes Utah doesn't have the horses in order to get there. Maybe Golden State surprises me. Um, Maybe Clay's just really freaking good when he comes back, and you have to now deal with Clay Thompson in addition to everybody else on that team, because that would be crazy. Like that would be insane to think about. Andrew Wiggins and Clay Thompson have never played an NBA game together, so I wonder if they're like if they're going to have some fun lineups that they can deploy that can really kind of shake things up around the West. So maybe they can. Or maybe they run into the Denver Nuggets in the second round and they struggle to stop Nikola Jokic when he has decent spacing around him. I don't know. We're going to figure it out. Uh, but I do think that they're a contender. I think that the Jazz, despite the fact that I have my own reservations about them, they're a contender. Uh, Phoenix is a contender. Memphis is not. I'm not really sure where to put them, though, because they're kind of like the Nuggets from 2018-19, where... That was Denver's first year kind of breaking into the contention circle, but they're still so young. They're still so inexperienced in terms of figuring out uh, what they're going to be doing 
in playoff situations. And like Jaron Jackson doesn't have a whole bunch of playoff experience. John Morant's like he's got five games, but not a whole bunch of playoff experience. And the rest of their roster is still very young, still trying to figure out who they are as a team. Like they're still trying to play Zaire Williams. They're still trying to figure out uh, who their best backup point guard is or whether they can play Brandon Clark or Xavier Tillman. I Like there's there's a lot of fun pieces there. I'm not sure if they're all playoff caliber pieces, uh, but they do have a lot of talent. So you have to give them some respect. If they were playing Denver in the first round of the playoffs, which is what's currently set up to do, I would be concerned about Denver dropping that series. I would still think that Denver is the favorite because they have Jokic. But I wouldn't be surprised if Denver lost that series either. Then you've got this morass of teams that's kind of the mix between the playoffs and the play-in. It starts with Denver at 5, the Clippers at 6, the Lakers at 7. They're at 17 and 19. They are kind of the dividing line between the teams that are above 500 and and the Lakers are the first team below 500. They're in the seventh seed at 17 and 19. The Mavericks are at 16 and 18. The T-Wolves are at 16 and 18. And the San Antonio Spurs are 14 and 19. They have broken all the way into the play-in tournament, despite the fact that they are 14 and 19. Because the bottom of the West is like, like there's no atrocious teams like Detroit and Orlando, but there are enough bad teams Sacramento, Portland, New Orleans, OKC, Houston, all of those teams are bad. That San Antonio is just kind of at the the top of the the tier of bad. But I do think that that tier of six teams, Denver, the Clippers, the Lakers, Dallas, Minnesota, San Antonio, it's an interesting group because you don't know of those teams who's going to ultimately look their best when it comes to a playoff series. Um, Denver, I think you have to assume, like if they get back Jamal Murray, then that raises them to a tier above what the Clippers can look like if Kawhi's not back. The Lakers, uh, it's just, I don't know, man. Like if, if I were betting on a Nuggets-Lakers series, then I would bet on Denver. I would absolutely bet on Denver. Uh, if I were betting on a Nuggets-Mavericks series, I would bet on Denver. Or betting on Nuggets T-Wolves, despite the fact that the T-Wolves embarrassed Denver a couple weeks ago, I would still bet on Denver because I think Jamal Murray changes a lot of the calculus here and a focused Denver is different than an unfocused Denver. So it's just kind of how these things work when it comes to a playoff series that the teams that execute the best, the teams that know who they are, are generally the ones that rise to the top in these circumstances. And it's why teams like Memphis, you still have a little bit of concerns there. Like they're not in the below tier, but they're not really in the tiers above them either. Um, San Antonio, I'm I'm sure that they are probably closer to the team, the teams below them than the teams above them. They are in the standings. That's for, that's clear. But in terms of actual talent, in terms of like not knowing who the superstar is and kind of having to figure that out from game to game. They seem like a team that's destined that if they do make the play-in, then they're going to be fodder for one of the other more talented teams. Now, it doesn't mean that they can't surprise, but I would be shocked if they did. 
kind of leads us to the bottom tier here with Sacramento, Portland, New Orleans, Oklahoma City, and Houston. These are the teams that should be trading. They should be trading away their assets to try to either break into the play-in or the playoff, or they should be selling their stars and their valuable contracts so that they can get draft picks, so that they can move more towards the bottom, get the best possible seating that they can for a lottery odds. You know that Houston will be doing that, that OKC will be doing that at some point. Sacramento, New Orleans, and Portland are so interesting because New Orleans, surprisingly, they're they're six out of their last 10 that they've won, and they haven't had Zion at all. Brandon Ingram and Herb Jones are the the players that are leading them. Jonas Valanciunas is leading them. So I do think that they are closer to the bottom than they are kind of making the play-in. But they're a team that I would watch um, in terms of whether they can actually make a move or not, whether they can actually do anything to move up versus whether they're more likely to move down. Um, Players like Josh Hart would be really valuable for an opposing team. Um, who else makes sense for another team? Not even really sure anybody, because they, they just signed Devontae Graham. They're not giving him up. They they aren't giving up Brandon Ingram or Zion Williamson, even though I think that they should trade Zion. Uh, I Yeah, I just think that they're going to move towards the bottom, in all likelihood. Unless Zion comes back and is just great. The Kings and the Blazers are so funny too because like the Kings should absolutely be trading one of their guards for as high of a ceilinged wing slash forward slash big player that they possibly can. Like it probably should go De'Aaron Fox for Ben Simmons, honestly. Like that makes sense for both teams. Where you can play a really high tempo of basketball still with the Kings, but you kind of give the show to Tyrese Halliburton. Or, uh, I don't know, like like you've got Davion Mitchell, you've got Buddy Heald. Tyrese Halliburton can, can help lead that team where Ben Simmons is also a ball handler in the open floor. Um, but is Philly going to want to do that while they have Tyrese Maxey? Like, they're going to want Tyrese Maxey and De'Aaron Fox? Probably not. Which is one of the reasons why a deal is harder to find than it usually could be. Um, I do think that Sacramento should be blowing it up, though. They are just they are a team that just spins their wheels for the sake of spinning their wheels. It's just bad. And then Portland, as I've mentioned before, like they should be blowing it up for sure. Like Dame should not be there anymore, despite what he says, despite what everybody thinks. Like here's an actual box score that they had from their last game. Let me just pull it up here real quick. Um. They played Utah. They played them pretty close, but they lost at home 120 to 105, where Norman Powell and Damian Lillard were the leading scorers at 32 points apiece. But they have Greg Brown Jr. Uh, and, and just a bunch of players off the bench that are awful. They're just a complete mishmash of nothing because CJ McCollum's out, Yusuf Nurkic is out. Uh, Cody Zeller is out. They've they're playing without a real true center. And they tried to do that against Rudy Gobert, and that didn't really work out. He was a plus 15 and a 15-point win. Um, so 
It's going to be interesting to see what Portland does. I think that Damian Lillard should want to go. I doubt that they actually trade him. Like those kinds of trades usually wait until the offseason. But he should want to go. And this is just not a good scenario for him where he just keeps spinning his wheels for years and years with this team while his prime continues to dissolve. We've already seen fall off. And he's going to want to win here sooner rather than later. Like, if I were the Sixers, if I were the Boston Celtics, I'd be calling about Dame. And I'd be presenting actual offers. But there's there's just a lot of upward and downward mobility with the teams in the middle of the West right now. That's the tier that everybody should be watching. The Nuggets, Clippers, Lakers, Mavericks, T-Wolves tier. A lot of interesting teams in there. And it's all based off of stars that are either healthy or unavailable. And that is a pretty clear indication that things could get pretty crazy for that grouping uh, between now and the end of the season. Some teams could really fall apart, like the Lakers, like the Clippers possibly, uh, even the Mavericks, who are very much underperforming. Or you could see a team like Denver hopefully rise. Hopefully they join the Grizzlies in terms of kind of being at the outskirts of that contention tier. And then you get back Murray and you feel like, okay, maybe maybe you just you just get into the playoffs healthy, figure it out from there, and see what you got. Because the West is that open right now, where you've got these three awesome teams, but they're all very similar to each other. And if you can beat one of them, then you have a decent chance against them all. It would be pretty tough to beat them, don't get me wrong. But if you have the personnel to match up with one of them, then there are some things you can figure out. That's my thing. That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I will be back tomorrow with a New Year's resolution podcast for the Nuggets, uh, potentially having a guest on for that one. Uh, We will just have to see. But for now, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support as always. I will talk to you guys tomorrow.